Hey everyone, welcome once again to more Layers. I'm Seth Mariano. And I am Jordan Smith. Yeah. So, um, it was, well, at the time we're recording this, it is just a couple days after the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. The annual holiday celebrating the legacy of the civil rights activist who well, famously made made bold efforts to make, make America and maybe even the world more harmonious, more fair for more people. And so that's why our big topic of the day is race relations and civil rights to start us off today. Yep. It may be a touchy subject, but there are times where subjects like this need to be discussed. And with this holiday having just passed, and with February being Black History Month, felt like it was a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's something I didn't think of. That's a good point. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll try to handle this with the most care we possibly can. And um, it's something... That can be dangerous to discuss, but at the same time, I'm. It's probably important to. Oh yeah, a, a lot of things like this. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't want to talk about it, and sometimes it makes sense because they're afraid of what might happen if certain people discuss it with them. But it's still an important subject matter to talk about, regardless of what could happen afterwards. Well, um, to prepare for this episode, I did some a little bit of research and uh, found um, a link to some um, statistics from news.gallup.com, and I'll put a link in the episode description later. So Gallup has done some annual polls asking black and white people how well the two races relate to each other. And for the most part, respondents have been increasingly saying not very good if you look at the if you look at the page that I'm going to put the link to and when asked how concerned they are about the harmony they've mostly been increasingly saying a lot see I like how you'd say like mostly they're like that cuz it's improbable that everybody's going to agree on the same thing but um i i would definitely say based on some of the events that have been transpiring in the past couple decades especially um it, it's been made more noticeable for sure uh the media definitely brings a lot of attention to it as they should so i'm not surprised that people are saying yeah it's getting worse Well, I also found uh, another page that which I'll also include a link to from humanrightscareers.com. I'll put the link in there as well um, of some causes or fuels for racism. And I decided to highlight just a few of them. And the first one of one that I wanted to highlight was representation in media. It seems like, like, like fictional media and sometimes even real life media can play a major role, well, in, uh, in influencing how how people view races other than their own. And, right. And, yeah. No, no, I, I was agreeing with what you're saying. Well, all right. Cool. Yeah, I'll add something on in a second, but go ahead. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, and I just put a couple of uh, bullet point examples, and and some of a lot of this may not necessarily be intentional, but it can uh, it can still be nonetheless hurtful, at, at least potentially. Like one example I thought of was Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, which is uh, the animated series back from back olden times by Bill Cosby. I mean. I watched maybe one episode of it, and I, I got the impression that they that these characters were very much 
while they may have been based on people Cosby grew up with, it still they still came off as your stereotypical kind of um, slurring, drawling African American kids. Sure. Yeah. And the other thing is, some people don't like the representation, but then there's also a sort of, for the lack of a better word, and this might even be the wrong word misrepresentation and usually what comes to my mind is things like what people might call just one example whitewashing where one race like a character of one race is represented by someone of another race and this happens a lot in say live action anime films or something to that effect like uh ghost in the shell when that came out a lot of people were upset that scarlett johansson was playing the character or albeit infamous the live action anime film dragon ball evolution that had a lot of white characters even though many people thought that they should have not been played by white actors but yeah you get the idea i think there may have been like a number of times where when they've done like american or english language dubs of of Miyazaki or other anime films, there's been a trend of uh, uh, casting well-known white actors in the roles. I don't know how controversial that is, but uh, uh, that if that has been done, then it's probably pushed it too far. Well, dubbing is a whole different thing, especially when it comes to animation, because usually, uh, depending on where the dub is being done uh it might be done by people of different ethnicities like um bringing it back to dragon ball uh the main character in japan is voiced by a japanese person whereas in america it's he's voiced by an american so yeah. so it really May depend on the localization or what language that country primarily speaks or something to that effect as well you know you know i've heard uh, mr cope the youtuber bring up the, the question of of could a white director have brought uh, uh, as much justice or depth or whatever to a story centered on african-americans and and he used like the example of Black Panther, which was directed by a black director, and said, "No, nah, I don't think it could have. I think, uh, take, I think it needed a black voice to really, uh, really carry that story." And I think that's a I think that's a good point because who would know that kind of situation better than someone someone of that group? Yeah, that's the kind of mindset I probably would have too, because it's like. Usually the best person to portray a certain character or event or something along that line is somebody who's in that field. Like if, if somebody, for example, in a movie is an autistic character, then it would be preferred if the person portraying that character was actually autistic. And the same thing can be said for something like race. Well, well, you know, you know, I've seen, you know, you know, in the past, we've seen actors like Freddie Highmore and Ray Romano, whom, as far as I know, aren't autistic in real life, but have played autistic characters on television. They, you know, uh, uh, from what I've seen, uh, in, they've done it, done it fairly well. And it's I haven't found a reason to complain. I mean, for some people, you can do really well with something, but there isn't as big of a representation as if there would be if the person actually was like the character they're portraying. Not saying it's bad if they sometimes do that, but if they always did that, then it might be more of an issue. Yeah, if if it's not really reflective of their real life, it's probably harder to buy into. 
Right, because usually if somebody has been through the experience that the character has gone through, it become it can become a lot more believable because there's a much bigger sense of realism involved. Like um, when Seth and I did a production of Lion King Jr. about a year or so ago, um, I portrayed the grown-up version of Simba. And anybody who is anybody who has at least heard of the Lion King probably knows what happens to Simba's father and the events that transpire from that. I personally lost my father a little more than two years ago now. So playing that character, and I believe that was the first role I had after I did lose my dad, it made it feel so much more real. So being able to portray something that the actual person has gone through can bring another sense of realism to it that somebody who hasn't can't. Yeah, I've heard. Um, yeah, yeah. I interviewed um, an old high school classmate for a college paper. I, I've probably talked about this before. He's talking. She mentioned, you know, you know, one part of a good performance is to really incorporate yourself into the character, and I feel like, like. In a way that helps sell it even better. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said before, this um, um, representation in in media or entertainment, man, um, the negative examples may not be on purpose, but uh, but they could be either stereotyping or generalizing or or something that doesn't quite get the whole picture or an entirely accurate picture on display. And I thought of, of I've probably mentioned, mentioned this before when we discussed stereotypes, like the sweet life of Zach and Cody, and, um, and, and particularly the character of London Tipton, who was portrayed as a sort of, a sort of a dim-witted and, very self-centered and greedy rich girl and and that's pretty much how it seems like a lot of kids shows or shows aimed primarily at kids or younger audiences handle these kind of characters or write them is to make is that all the rich characters have got to be full of themselves or narcissistic or 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 looking out for number one all the time which is a problem because the younger people are the more vulnerable. So I think that makes it an issue. It definitely can be. Um, shows like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or movies like High School Musical that have the spoiled rich kid or even cartoon shows like Arthur, who also has a rich kid. Uh, roles like that usually are played up for laughs regardless of who's portraying it but uh yeah it happens a lot and depending on how they handle it it could definitely be a problem yeah uh, i mean I, I suppose there are some occasions where where uh, all these characters have shown another more positive side of themselves or more respectable side but more or less it seems to be be overshadowed by the um, by that by the numbers formula writing Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, take and some might laugh at this example, but there's I take there was a series of uh, kids videos by Warner Brothers uh, from like back in the nine 80s, 90s called Kids Songs. And they released one video called uh, I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing, where um, a bunch of world and world singing songs associated with those those parts of the world it, and and doing like, pretty much much what one would would assume is the culture or all there is to the place it's um you know on one hand you know it's a half hour program ram you can only only cover so much of the picture 
partner or of a culture in that amount of time when you're doing a bunch of them. Uh, but at the same time, um, I feel like it may have uh, led me to assume that that was, you know, all there was to these countries and and I'm thinking that they all, all the people in those countries did the same thing all the time and it felt like it misled me in that way. Yeah, I can understand. If that, that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. It'll take me a little bit to process the whole thing, but I still get it. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. Uh, there may have been no intentional harm. I think they may have may have had their hearts in the right place, but still I think it might have been an issue. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second um um reason for racism from the human rights careers uh, page that I wanted to highlight was uh, uh, community ties. Like hmm, that might have be kind of almost the same as the last media can contribute to that factor. I put down the note there as it often shows people associating in groups of same kind people and sometimes influencing each other's views of others. And I thought of the example of of the characters of Velma and Amber, the mom and daughter in Hairspray, which are the who's like a, the producer and the star girl of the TV show. You know, and Amber comes off as kind of like a carbon copy of her mom in terms of personality, way way she carries herself, and so it's like the like dad, like son, like mom, like daughter sort of idea. So, yeah. So, oh, uh, parenting, in that sense, you can tell it goes a long way in influencing. Oh, yeah, especially at a younger age. Yeah. 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 Oh, and then I thought of the, uh, I'd say there was a Lifetime movie based on the true story about a group of Texas cheerleaders, the Fab Five. Uh, about a bunch of cheerleaders who pretty much like ruled the campus and did whatever crap they wanted and wanted and i'll take a one of one of their moms was like like on the principal staff or something and was aware of at least some of this but uh, but pretty much just kept making excuses so um, so in a way she was an enabler i mean a lot of uh stories i feel like that involve or even center around cheerleaders or like heavily involved them somehow. Uh, a lot of times they portray at least a handful of them as like these really snobby, nasty people. So that that doesn't surprise me too much. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Though, on the other hand, on a more positive light, light um, some projects in the past have made intentional efforts to show different background people together. Uh, and I listed the puzzle plays, Sesame Street, Hey Arnold, as examples of those. And uh, uh, just seeing how uh, all these young characters or characters have have been presented as, as very obviously different, but they coexist very harmoniously. And are pretty much on the same team at the end of the day. And so there's definitely been some positive efforts in that regard. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and one that comes to my mind is just the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general. Because pretty much right from the beginning with the first Iron Man movie, they already had different characters of different ethnicities, albeit one or two of them were recast at some point due to differences behind the scenes. But at this point, they have a lot of heroes that are white, black, Asian, Indian, I believe, with Eternals. Like, they, they've been expanding over time. And I know not every MCU project has been well-received, but I know some people have been applauding the diversity that's been appearing. Yeah, there have definitely been some... Uh... Uh, Marvel releases that have had had 
more positive reception and more negative reception. I've seen my own taste of that. Right. Yeah. And second, then uh, another highlighted uh, cause, quick unconscious judgments, which I believe is how they phrased it. And I put the example of um, Chris Rock talking in his stand-up material about being suspected even when not doing anything simply because of his skin color. Well, unfortunately, that can happen a lot. And I think... Uh... There's usually a small handful of things that people will immediately try to start putting together in their minds when they see someone. Like, like they get one look at them and all of a sudden they're trying to process everything like, who are they? How old do they look? Uh, what do they look like? What is often associated with this kind of a person? And some of that might be okay up to a point, but yeah, it usually runs the risk of going too far and applying stereotypes where they shouldn't be and then just making assumptions based off those stereotypes that lead to things that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've known plenty of likable colored people, so I can't just assume they're all up to no good. Well, yeah, of course not. Like everyone mm. can be good. Everyone can be bad. It really depends on their own personal choices. Yeah. Yeah, we're all individuals, all unique individuals. Exactly. Which is probably well, the biggest reason why it's such a big deal. Yep. Yeah. 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 And scapegoating, I don't know how much I want to say about this. Uh, this must be, this would probably be the riskiest thing to, but I'll, I'll try to be delicate with it. Um, um, the cause of scapegoating, which is pretty much defined as blaming circumstances on others. And uh, this is probably really the most political example. Oh, complaints about America losing jobs to Mexicans. Now, I don't really understand. I'm not going to pretend I completely understand Ameri American and international economic science or that kind of thing. thing or I'm taking how how well, foreigners can affect that here in the United States, but I, uh, but it's gotten to a point, I think, I think where Mexicans are pretty much looked at as the scum of the world, like they're good for, for nothing here, you know, except sabotaging us. And I, I, I don't know what to say. It's just, uh, I think it's just ridiculous to see me, me finances being, being prioritized or emphasized above of people. When I hear complaints like that, I feel like that's the attitude. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, scapegoating, generally speaking, and not just when it comes to political discussions, is an actual thing and is an actual problem. But you want to make sure that whatever the issue is, that it's accurate. And I, I won't go into too much detail just to avoid any risk mm -hmm. of saying something that might be taken the wrong way. But uh, it, it, it's something you got to be real careful with. Because it could mm -hmm. easily go south and cause even more problems. Yeah, I hope it's abundantly clear to everyone that I am not. Uh, I'm not taking the side of one complete extreme or the other. I'm just. Uh, I'm just trying to, uh, to be delicately assertive. Hope everyone understands. Yeah, see, I can personally respect that because a big problem with discussions nowadays, especially when they become political, is that. Everybody talks like you got to be on one side or the other or some different side entirely. When sometimes all people want to do is just have a discussion and that be the end of it. Or at the very least, even if you're on opposing sides of an argument, have a discussion, try to understand why someone else thinks differently 
and go off of that, like work from there. But because there's this us versus them mentality, many people are scared to have these discussions and they need to be done. But the way things like scapegoating or whatever, how those have happened, uh, pe people are just really scared to have these discussions, even when they're necessary. So the fact that you are able to do that and stay in neutral territory, not necessarily pointing fingers or taking sides, that I can respect. Yeah, I guess I'm trying. I mean, to me, it's working. Yeah. Yeah. And th there was one uh, point yeah. before we move on that I wrote down. Um, sure. When it comes to things like what we've been talking about, there is a time and place for everything, including discussions of racism. No matter how good your intentions may be, the timing and such of these kinds of discussions can risk making things worse, even if you're trying to be helpful towards a certain demographic or ethnicity or whatever. For example, Many people have watched the show Survivor for quite a long time, especially since it's had at least 40-something seasons now. But not that long ago, I forget which season it was, but race started to become the center of attention in many discussions on the show. For example, Tribal Council, where contestants get voted out, they would sometimes have nights where big speeches were made about race or something similar. And those discussions are okay, but a lot of people thought it shouldn't have been done in that setting. And some contestants have had the idea to vote out certain groups of people to show how strong theirs is or to represent their group more on the show. Like, um, I, I can't think of anyone in particular or any episode in particular, but I do remember instances where they would be like, oh, uh, they're a different ethnicity. Let's vote them out so we can represent our people more or something to that effect. Um, and there's one contestant, I can't remember their name, that looked at some of the other contestants when she thought her time on the show was on the line, and she pretty much spelled out saying, if you vote me out, you're racist. And in moments like that, it looked like it was being used more for leverage than anything else. And I know that after a couple of those episodes aired, many people stopped watching. It just felt way too forced. Um, one thing I think I will say about that is, you know, no, no. If that if that is your attitude, if if you're in that person's situation and you're doing the same thing, and all you're really proving is either you're looking out for number one or uh, or you have a superiority complex or uh, or you're something like that that's probably all you're gonna all you're gonna prove you're not proving I mean, someone's bigger someone's better right because especially in shows like that when you do these kinds of things it makes you look more antagonistic than anything else which makes what you're trying to portray as helpful seem more weaponized than anything else i don't know if i phrased that the best but hopefully to point that across all right well um why don't we um bring it up to a higher note and uh continue on to our curious question portion of the show. And today the question is, if, hypothetically, of course, keep that word in mind, famous roles were given to different actors, who would you have wanted to see play those characters? Yeah, I thought of a good handful. Um, I know we both thought of ideas for who would play Iron Man. Yeah. Um, the two that came to my mind were Hugh Jackman and Tom Cruise. A big reason for those two 
was because from what I understand, they were both, I don't know if they were both offered or they were considered at some point. But for various reasons, I could see it probably more with Tom Cruise because I feel like some of his own personality kind of matches up with Tony Stark. Granted, after seeing Robert Downey Jr. do it, it's harder to uh, picture anyone else doing it. But I know when uh, the whole multiverse thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe started happening and there was a possibility of even slightly seeing another Iron Man, I know some people were thinking, oh, we could see Tom Cruise doing it. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Cruise, I could... I think I could see doing it. I think he's got like that same sort of um, like like indignant energy vibe about him that probably he would have worked in the role well, had hypothetically only he been cast in it. But uh, but Downey, I I can't complain about him doing it. He has been a satisfying casting. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, part of the reason why Hugh Jackman wasn't ultimately cast was because he was already in the midst of portraying a different Marvel superhero in the X-Men franchise as Wolverine. So doing two different ones might have been a little much. Yeah, it probably would have been a distraction. People would have right. probably noticed it. And honest, ah, hey, there's Wolverine. And <laughs> that probably yeah. would have been too distracting. Yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah when he has the whole suit and his face is covered... Maybe it could have worked, but once they see his face, they would probably associate him with Wolverine more. And like you said, it would be a little distracting. It's kind of like, you know, you know, when when I used to watch the show The Good Doctor, and my brother would see uh like the hospital president played by uh uh Richard Skiff, uh, who who was um who's probably best known for his role in the West Wing. I'm like, and my brother would would see him and say, I can't unsee this guy as that character on the West Wing. Right. That's a big problem that actors will face is if they play an iconic character or they voice an iconic character, especially for a long enough time, it's hard to get away from that. Like many people... They'll only see Miley Cyrus as Hannah Montana or a lot of voice actors. If they voice a famous character, when they meet that actor in person, they'll often refer to them as that character. Or they'll be like, hey, can you say this in this character's voice or something to that effect? So when they go to try some, to do something different, it can be very hard because people have been associating them with one thing for so long that it's hard to wrap their heads around anything else. Well, thankfully, though, there have been some actors who have been able to you know, kind of uh, kind of escape that being known for more than just one role, like Tom Hanks and Harrison Ford, I think. Right. And they've, uh, they've got more than one, one considerably famous role, and so, and so people probably better see past those characters, so... And uh, speaking of Harrison Ford, though, I was thinking about how we have a fifth Indiana Jones film coming. I don't know why they're making a fifth one. But then I figure whether they cast somebody different or they pass the mantle on to somebody else, who else could I see taking up the hat and the whip? And two people that came to my mind after doing a little bit of research were uh, Tom Hiddleston or Robert Pattinson. Most people might know uh, Tom Hiddleston for his role as Loki, but uh, he, he's done a few things, including some grittier characters. And I honestly could see him portraying an adventurous explorer, something to that effect. And the same goes for Robert Pattinson. So, it, especially since he's trying so hard to disassociate himself from the Twilight films. And he probably made a step from that um, with the Batman. <laughs> that is very true. Many people 
they were excited to see him as a character, not only because they thought he could do it well, but because they were kind of celebrating the fact that he was trying to do something different or add something else to his name besides those movies. So if he were to play someone like Indiana Jones, maybe that could help even more. Maybe. Then uh, I... Then I thought of other big film franchises and Lord of the Rings came to my mind. And I thought, what if Patrick Stewart played Gandalf? Now that I think I could probably see now that you mention. It's like Ian McKellen, of course, he did phenomenal work. But I think he was was or is good friends with Patrick Stewart. And Patrick Stewart, he's played like wise leaders or mentors before. So I feel like, especially if they gave him the right costume and makeup and whatever, he could really pull it off. Yeah, well, I don't know that much about the Lord of the Rings franchise, but I do know no Stewart for playing like, at least a couple or so. Oh, authority figures in past media with uh, Star Trek and that one TV film of a of a Christmas Carol. So maybe maybe if he hypothetically could, he could do Gandalf. And I think he also was. Uh, I keep forgetting uh, the actual character's name. Uh, Professor Xavier. Huh? Um, Professor Xavier. You thinking of the X Men character? Oh, no, I didn't even think of that, but that's another good one. But no, I, I was thinking of um, Moses and Ramesses' father in The Prince of Egypt, like that pharaoh. I keep forgetting the actual character's name, but he portrayed him. And that was a very believable performance as well. I, I really feel like he could do Gandalf justice. All right. You got uh, any other ones? Yeah, I, I've got a couple more. Um, I thought of uh, Kristen Bell to play uh, Glinda, a.k.a. the Good Witch from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And what? Yeah, here's, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, Kristen Bell, she's had that smiley, energetic sort of personality in some of her other roles, I believe she did Anna in Frozen, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if she can do a character like that, because Glinda, she also kind of had a optimistic, sort of bubbly personality in some ways. And I feel like Kristen Bell, while not exactly doing the same stuff as like Anna or somebody, she could really make that sort of character believable in her performance. Like she could have that bubbly personality. She could have that optimism. It's like, I really think she could do it if she does it well. Because I think I've heard stories of there being a Wizard of Oz remake coming. I don't know if they've announced who's playing what, if that were to be true. But if they haven't, cast everybody yet i'd say cast her as glinda okay and then the last one i was thinking with uh daniel craig not doing uh james bond or 007 movies anymore i was thinking who could replace him in a follow-up series or just an entirely separate storyline of their own and I actually had it down to three separate people. Uh, and they were Andrew Garfield, who might be well-known for Tick, Tick, Boom, or The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Henry Cavill, who is known for, like, Superman or playing The Witcher in the Netflix series of the same name. Or even uh, Idris Elba. For James Bond? Yeah, for James Bond, yeah. I feel like any of those three could put their own spin on the character. Like Idris Elba, for example, 
he can do like smooth and suave. Henry Cavill, he's kind of got that James Bond look already that a lot of people might think of when they think of what James Bond might look like. And Andrew Garfield, he could play like a dignified, sophisticated character like that. So I feel like maybe they wouldn't be able to play the exact same kind of James Bond. But I feel like I could see each one of them putting their own spin on the character in some way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, um, I put down um, a, a, maybe a slightly longer list of um, examples of my own. And, and for the first one, I thought of, because I just recently rewatched the Disney live-action film Max Keeble's Big Move, which I don't know whether or not you're familiar with that. I've heard of it. I don't know too much about it, though. Yeah, it's kind of a cult classic, kind of like, like in the style of 2000s Nickelodeon. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, there's one character, a villain character, who is an ice cream truck driver. And he's kind of this sort of hysterically laughing, laughing, energetic, antagonistic ice cream man, and simply known as Evil Ice Cream Man in the movie. And I thought of actually four different people to hypothetically fill the role. And the first one I thought of was James Rode Rodriguez the star of the TV series Psych. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Well, that's another one I've heard of at least, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched a bit of it. It's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like him, uh, he's got that sort of energy that probably similar to what Jamie Kennedy, the actual actor, brought to it. Okay. And I thought of uh, Brian Q. Quinn and Sal Volcano. You, you probably both know both of them from the reality show and practical jokers oh yeah 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 at first i wasn't sure it's like i know mm. i've seen those names but i've never seen them written down i've only ever heard them so once you said where they were from it's like oh pff, i know those people yeah yeah or the other guy i thought of was milo ventimiglia from gilmore girls heroes and this is us milo Vent which character yeah. were they in This Is Us? Because I know I watched that show. Um, um Jack Pearson. Right, right, all right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that might be a bit of a bizarre choice, but uh I don't I'm not sure why I thought of that. I just uh I don't know, just the just the sort of way he carries himself, I guess, in general. Well, I mean, sometimes you gotta think outside yeah. the box a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And taken, I thought of um, the first of a couple of um, Marvel heroes I've got on my list. I thought of Shia LaBeouf as Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, I think of um, uh, thinking back to like like his character on Even Stevens, which was sort of sort of a geeky, nerdy type character, Louis Stevens, and I feel like. Like you need someone who could play play up that angle probably for Peter Parker when he's outside of the costume. So yeah, I maybe even, uh, maybe he could. Yeah, I didn't even think about that because most of the time when I think Shia LaBeouf, I think of like the Transformers films, some of the controversies he was getting himself into outside of those films at the time. So I, I didn't really think much about it, but once you said things like even Stevens, it's like, oh, that's that's true. He did portray a character similar to Peter before. Uh, I think nowadays he has like this thick beard. Maybe he, if he removed that, or if I just look up a picture of him without the beard, I could see it better. But uh, yeah, if he does something similar to what he did in even Stevens, maybe he could do it. I think at least in his younger years, when he was doing stuff with Disney, uh, like uh, even Stevens and Holes and that movie True Confessions, uh, he had, had this sort of uh, 
good ability to play more more innocent and and charming ming, ming, more or less upbeat characters that uh have a sort of more or less peter parker vibe to them sure yeah well, now i can see it at first i wasn't sure yeah. but i can see a little yeah. bit more now yeah that's like and then i thought of uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the movie Big, where Tom Hanks the Hanks plays a child in an adult body. Uh, yeah, can't say I've seen that one. I think I've seen movies with similar titles, but I, I don't yeah, know. There if was I've a movie called uh, you're telling me. Uh, well, there's a movie called Seventeen again, which was kind of the same thing, more recent. That was with uh, Zac Efron? Yeah. And okay. uh, Matthew Perry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of like the reverse of Big in a way. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I saw the movie Big, and I thought of, uh, of um, to play, you know, the Tom Hanks role, like the adult Josh, I thought of Zachary Levi, whom you might, might, might be best known for Chuck and... The role of Flynn in Disney's Tangled. Was he... Was he Shazam, or was that somebody else? Yes, yes, I was just thinking about that. I just remembered that, yes. All right, because I was pretty sure that was him, but I couldn't remember for sure because I hadn't seen the movie yet. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good movie. All yeah. Right. Um. Oh, yeah, probably one of my favorite superhero flicks. Well, one of the few that I really liked. All right, I'll have to check it out soon then. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Well, Levi has this sort of upbeat, humorous vibe about him that I that I feel like is similar to what Tom Hanks did in that role. So um, uh, that would probably be a hypothetically good choice, in my opinion. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then... And, like you, I also thought of um, somebody for Iron Man, and I actually thought of the aforementioned Matthew Perry for Iron Man, which which may seem kind of uh, kind of weird considering like, he's best known for like being Chandler and Friends, but I feel like he has a sort of similar sarcastic, humorous vibe that um, probably only would have worked the same as Robert Downey Jr. So, yeah, just my opinion, anyway. I gotta think. I've I've seen a a bit of Friends. I haven't seen the whole show, but from what I remember of Matthew Perry's character, uh, he he does have that sort of sarcasm thing that could transfer well into a performance of Tony Stark slash Iron Man. So, yeah, you know, I I could see it again. It after seeing Robert Downey Jr the role especially for about 10 years it is hard to think of anybody else doing it but if we did have to pick somebody i i could see matthew perry doing it yeah and second then i thought of um well back to the future which is probably um probably one of my personal favorites um i thought of again my love and amelia or uh, you might notice I put a question mark. Alex D. Linz, the star of Max Keeble's Big Move. Um, I put a question mark because, because as far as anybody knows, apparently he doesn't really act anymore. But if hypothetically he wanted to start again, and I think, I think he would have the right, the right emotional depth and whatever for the role. Well, at well, as Milo, I think would have have. A strong enough vibe or similar enough vibe like Michael J. Fox had. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I thought of um, um, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. I thought of, uh, if you know, the character of uh, Dave, who's like the main, uh, the main protagonist who has to deal with the with the sort of AI computer or whatever, how, and I thought of two actors for that one, um, Elijah Wood and James Stewart. 
Well, I know Elijah Wood because he, I believe, was Frodo. Yes. In the Lord of the Rings. Uh, James Stewart. I know I've heard that name. Um, uh, he was in uh, films like Vertigo, Rear Window, and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think he has the, um, no, like the same sort of like emotional vibe that uh that the actual actor had i just um you might notice a lot of these are based on similarity to the actual actor a lot of these thoughts that i put down sure yeah yeah uh, yeah and then and i thought of another james stewart character in the aforementioned rear window robert reed who was the patriarch on the brady bunch yeah yeah yeah, and on that show, I think Robert had a sort of well, almost seri serious, authoritative you know, vibe about him. Um, well, not not excessively, but still very authoritative, and uh, felt felt like James Stewart came off that way when he played the role of uh, role of Jimmy in Rear Window. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, but again, and uh, these are just hypothetical people. These are all. There's nothing wrong with the casting. The I think we all would agree you know, they were perfect choices. Just a little fun thought, you know. Oh yeah, it's not like we're remaking any of these movies or characters or anything of that sort. But uh, it's like if we did have the opportunity to cast somebody, maybe we would do some of these. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's pretty much um, all we've got. And um, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, for watching. And um, you all take care of yourselves and uh, tell us um, uh, any thoughts you have on race relations or, or, or different actors in different roles like we've talked about. And Enjoy our full series on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, YouTube, and Facebook, and and um, send us any input or ideas you have. And uh, you know, you now we've been trying to you know, focus on ideas that uh, that we think would gain more traffic, or at least I think would. Right. That you know, st stuff that would seem like relevant to the time, or. Uh, stuff that would get attention and you no know, we're doing our best so yeah yeah just uh but yeah you know, like your ideas are very much appreciated at the same time oh yeah absolutely any ideas you have please send them our way if you have any anything you want us to talk about in the future if you have any questions on something we've already talked about or if you just need to get in touch with us in general please feel free to do so we love the engagement, we love the interaction, and we just love uh, spending time with our audience and getting to know them, and then hopefully that would transfer into improving on this show. That's it, Paul. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Take care. So long, everyone.